You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I was torn on whether we should continue on with the draft prospect thing or not. And um, I figure with the draft stuff that we've done and then follow that up with the press conferences... Some of the rest of the general news and notesy stuff has gone to the side and just kind of been collecting. So why don't we take a day to kind of clear out some of the notes, and then perhaps tomorrow we can start getting into it. By the way, on Patreon, if you are a patron, um, I asked you for a list of guys that you want me to take a look at because we're kind of at that stage now that we've got sort of the top 10 figured out-ish. Um, I do want to run back through some of the other guys, especially wide receiver um, and running back, because I kind of started this process after that. Um, so I want to go back through, but also, you know, there's going to be some new guys that have emerged and kind of rose up into the uh, into the the spotlight, and then guys that are outside of that, um, people outside of, for example, the top 100 that you like. Um, again, if you're a patron. Go ahead and shoot those names out there, and I will uh, prioritize those over other people. One of the big things that I want to start with, though, NFL Combine is coming up, man. These things always sneak up on me. I'm looking at it, and I'm like, wait a minute, because I got the draft on my mind. I'm like, yeah, we still got that. I'm like, wait a minute, the Combine is pretty soon, isn't it? Heck yeah, it is. So the Combine actually starts tomorrow. Now, nothing interesting necessarily is going to happen tomorrow, but I believe that is when certain people start to show up. Then on, um, on Tuesday, the 27th, is when media availability begins for um, certain head coaches, GMs, and prospects. So we're going to start to hear a lot of stuff, which is going to be awesome. That's when you know they start asking guys, like, what team would you like to go to and whatnot? What team did you grow up watching? And tell me about yourself, et cetera, et cetera. Hopefully we get to hear from Gutekunst. And uh, I don't know if Matt LaFleur is going or not. But it's officially starting, man. Starting uh, Again, starting tomorrow, we're probably going to have a lot of media people on site doing a lot of stuff. So uh, obviously that's when things are going to start to switch to the draft. It's also when a lot of rumors are going to start floating around. That's the other exciting thing about the Combine. It, it, it is funny because there's a certain select group of people that want to have this smartest guy in the room mentality. And that, that mentality always manifests itself into like, you're so stupid for like thinking it matters. If you do NFL draft stuff during the NFL season, you're an idiot. Like, wait for the season to end. Then you wait for the season to end, you do NFL draft stuff, and it's like, you're an idiot, wait until the combine. Then the combine shows up, and it's like, everybody knows the combine doesn't mean anything. You're an idiot if you think that people's boards moved because of the combine. It's like, (laughs) it's always something stupid. 
But as dumb as the combine might be to some people, which, by the way, even if teams have a good idea of stuff, a lot of us do not. There's projections, but then we get to check against that, and some people are going to surprise, and and we're going to have concrete answers on certain things like, you know, how fast people are or how athletic in general people are, which will kind of help form opinions um, on certain prospects. But beyond all of that, one of the other things that's going to come away with that is everybody's talking to everybody. And yes, there's going to be some lying going on, which is fine. I don't give a crap. I'm a podcaster. I will take any and all information and I will use it, whether that's to say I think it's bullcrap or to uh, actually highlight it. It it just doesn't matter. Something's happening and that's a good thing. But some of it is legit, right? And, you know, I mean, you get a lot of like I've talked to X amount of, of GMs and coaches this year, and they've all told me XYZ about this prospect. That's not fake. Now, we don't usually hear much about the Packers, but we'll probably hear a bunch about some other teams. I heard from multiple people the Chicago Bears are leaning this way. Probably hear some Justin Fields talk or whatever. Teams that are interested in Fields, the Bears, you know, and their their positioning and whatnot. But that's, that's, that is maybe the biggest part of this, aside from wanting to watch the testing and being excited about the testing and all that stuff. But the schedule is as follows for media availability on Tuesday, February 27th, general managers and head coaches, Wednesday, the 28th, defensive line and linebackers. This is for media availability. Thursday, the 29th, DBs and tight ends. Uh, Friday, March 1st, quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs. And then Sunday, March 2nd, offensive line and kickers. The scouting combine drills start Thursday, February 29th. Defensive line and linebackers will go through their drills. And then on March 1st, DBs and tight ends. March 2nd, quarterback, wide receiver, running back. March 3rd, offensive lineman. So that's part of the reason why I want to have my preliminary stuff done. Then you go through and you, you know, get the additional details. And with those details, go back through with a better understanding of actual height, weight, speed, athleticism, the whole nine yards, and kind of redraw some uh, conclusions from that. And uh, hopefully this year, better than every other year, if I can do it, um, trying to really go through all the prospects and having a firm understanding. I'm leaning less into the analytics this year, partially because it's just there's only so much time. And um, I started kind of making my my data spreadsheet and whatnot. And um, I don't know. I just I don't know if I'm going to get to that or not. It's a nice handy sheet to have, but it's it's less fun than than having uh, my own personal opinions because they're two separate things. There's you know an analytical approach, which is here's what data that I kind of made up says, and then there's guys that I actually like, and I want to make sure that I have my own prospects. If I have time to do both, I'll do both. But that's exciting stuff. But anyways, let's uh, let's see what's going on in the world, shall we? So one of the things I've mentioned is obviously free agency is a big deal around this time of year, but I think maybe even the more interesting thing is the people that aren't yet free agents, but are about to become free agents. And there's always this big list of people that are kind of on the old roster bubble, And that's already kind of started. So there's a handful of players that have already been cut. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and Patriots have already cut two players. 49ers, Rams, Lions, and Dolphins have cut a player. The biggest cut so far has been Emmanuel Ogba, Miami pass rusher. Saved him $13.7 million. He is uh, 30 going on 31. I think he'll be 31 this year. So he's pretty up in age. I would doubt the Packers take a swing at him. But he is now officially available. 
The uh, Pittsburgh Steelers let go of Chakwuma Okorafor, the tackle. Can't imagine there'd be a ton of interest from the Green Bay Packers on this one. He is just 26 years old, but um, the third-round pick has been pretty substandard for a while. So even as a backup, I don't really fully understand the point of it. The other offensive lineman the Pittsburgh Steelers let go of was Mason Cole, the center. Similarly, I don't fully understand it. I know we have need there, but uh, pretty close to coming up on 28 years old. Spent three years at Arizona, a year at Minnesota, two years at uh, Pittsburgh. And although he's shown some flashes as a run blocker, he is a putrid pass blocker. So I would expect uh, nothing to materialize from that. Another safe uh, center let go was Brian Allen for the Rams. This one is a little bit more intriguing. First of all, you've got, again, the familiarity with the Rams and the organization and whatnot, so you can reach out to the coaches and see what people think. It's a fourth-round pick back in 2018. Real up and down, but has shown a little something. It, you know, if, if we're talking pennies on the dollar, perhaps you could kind of bring the guy in and then, you know, hopefully resolve the center issue either in the draft or whatever. But for example, he had an 80 pass blocking grade this past year. He didn't play a ton, but it was pretty solid, and his run blocking has never been bad. I do think the pass blocking is probably bad enough. In other words, this year was kind of an anomaly, and he didn't play very much. Usually when he plays more, the pass blocking is not great. But it's kind of a maybe, but but mostly just as a we need some depth options, and he's super cheap, and he's familiar with concepts or whatever, so why not, would be the only thing I could think. Fuck. The 49ers let go of cornerback Isaiah Oliver. He's just 27 years old. Uh, he was in Atlanta for five years and then this past year at San Francisco. Um, his coverage grades have actually been pretty decent the last three years, so, so two years at Atlanta, last year in San Francisco. And then there is familiarity as a slot in uh, you know what the 49ers do, which presumably will be at least somewhat similar to what we're doing, although I don't really know that. So, you know, is this like a slam dunk kind of a deal? Not really, but it's kind of a maybe option. He was a second round pick back in 2018 out of Colorado. It's definitely not a no. Uh, New England let go of two guys. Lawrence Guy, the defensive tackle. Lawrence has been in the league a while. He's 34 years old. Um, Last time he made a real impact was 2018, and it's been straight downhill from there. He had a 45 PFF grade. I have no reason to believe that he would garner any interest anywhere around the NFL. I think the guy needs to retire. Um, and then free, a uh, free agent, free safety, Adrian Phillips. He is 31 going on 32. Uh, he did have a bad year in New England this past year, but he was pretty solid the four years prior. Um, the age obviously is going to be an issue, but I think he's a pretty decent football player. And speaking of safeties, Tracy Walker out of Detroit was let go. Walker has shown some serious flashes. Uh, three out of his six years have been really, really solid. The other three were, uh, two of them were average. One of them was not great. This past year being average. He's 29, so he's old-ish, but, you know, he's got a couple years left in him. I would not hate it for the right price. But he, like a lot of other safeties, to be honest, are very inconsistent. So not my favorite option, but if we're struggling with just finding pieces in the draft or whatever, and um, he's still floating around, I wouldn't hate it. But that is it so far with the roster cuts. Some other names that are kind of on a roster bubble that might be out the door relatively soon. In other words, they're, they have a contract. They're not free agents, but they might end up being cut. Some running backs, uh, Nick Chubb, Miles Sanders, Naheem Hines, and Jeff Wilson out of Miami. 
Wide receivers, Mike Williams, Brandon Ayuk, Tim Patrick, and MVS. Tight ends, CJ Uzama, Will Disley, Jonu Smith, Logan Thomas. Tackles, aside from Bakhtiari, Joseph Noteboom, and, uh, well, Chikuma Okorafor, who was just cut, so there you go. Uh, guards, Lakin Tomlinson, Austin Corbett, and Ryan Bates. Centers, uh, Corey Lindsley, although I think Corey Lindsley's probably going to retire. He has a heart issue, and uh, that's the latest I've heard is that he's likely to retire this year. But also Mason Cole, who, again, already was cut, so nailed that one. Defensive line, DJ Jones, Harrison Phillips out of Minnesota, Brian uh, Moan. Edge rushers, Joey Bosa for the Chargers. I have heard some pretty crazy stuff about them and the fact that they're just in a full teardown rebuild. So Bosa and Khalil Mack are on the list, along with um, Agba in Miami and Tyus Bowser in Baltimore. Linebackers, Leighton Vanderesh and Devondre Campbell. Corners, Xavier Howard. He was also actually uh, let go just recently. They didn't make the list, but I was asked about him. Um, not super interested. The uh, grades haven't been great lately, and he's 30 years old. But also J.C. Jackson for New England, Tredavious White in Buffalo, and Dante Jackson out of Carolina. Safeties, Jamal Adams out of Seattle. He's just 28. Uh, Buda Baker, Kevin Byard, and Tracy Walker, who was cut. And then kickers, for those interested, Jake Moody, Eddie Pinheiro, and uh, <laughs> they put Anders Carlson on here. Could happen. Could happen. So just a few names to investigate. I'm not going to look at every single one of those right now. We'll see what actually materializes and what doesn't. And as they become available, we can kind of take a closer look. But that's where we're at right now, with along with all the other uh, free agents floating around out there. On the other side are the guys that are probably not going anywhere that are expected to get franchise tags. So some of those people, maybe Mike Evans, but probably not. Uh, the tag for Mike Evans would be $28 million. Current market value is around 24. So probably wouldn't go that route. Um, Michael Pittman, the wide receiver for the Colts. It seems kind of silly to think of, you know, usually when I think tag, I think like these premier cornerstone pieces. I don't know if I would call Michael Pittman that. But the projected tag for him would be $20 million and his projected market value is 22 Now, obviously, you just want to lock him up to a long-term deal. But the bottom line is he's not leaving because either they're going to give him the long-term deal or they would just tag him. Uh, Chris Jones, they could potentially go that route if they don't come to an agreement, which they probably will. Uh, Justin Madbuike is a guy that I really like and would love to uh, to hit the market, but it looks like his market value and the tag value are about even. So the bottom line is, unless the Ravens are just not interested in paying that much or can't pay that much or whatever, which I don't think is the case, um, they're going to try to come to a some kind of an agreement, and if they can't, then they're just going to tag him for a little under $21 million would be my guess. Same goes for Christian Wilkins, although I don't know if they want to pay that much for Wilkins. Uh, Brian Burns is in that category. Uh, Patrick Queen, actually, I'm kind of surprised how high his value is. I know he's been playing better, but I doubt he ends up getting tagged. Josh Allen for the Jaguars. Uh, the tag is not available for Daniil Hunter, which is great because I would love for him to leave Minnesota and I'll be honest, I would not mind taking a swing at him. Antoine Winfield, 100%. The tag is going to be cheaper than his current market value, so either they give him a contract or they're going to keep him. Uh, Jalen Johnson is expected to be tagged by the Bears, so as much as people might be looking at maybe grabbing him, unlikely the Bears let him walk. And then Xavier McKinney, safety for the Giants, unlikely to be tagged, so if they don't come to an agreement, he could potentially walk for the Giants. That'll be something to keep an eye on. Another thing I found interesting was this situation with Russell Wilson and the Broncos. I guess I didn't realize how bad it was. It's actually kind of similar 
to where the Packers were at with Aaron Rodgers. Um, a few quick notes on his contract, and apparently he is he is like out the door for sure. Wilson has a thirty nine million has thirty nine million in twenty twenty four compensation already fully guaranteed. Wilson's twenty two million dollar option bonus for twenty twenty four is due March seventeenth. Uh, Wilson's $37 million 2025 salary becomes fully guaranteed on March 17th. This deal contains $85 million of dead cap. Kind of just fast-forwarding to the end. Uh, this is Track does this article, but they're saying that the thing that makes the most sense is the post-June 1st designation. If they did go that route, I believe, they would be taking a $53 million dead cap hit in 2024 and $32 million in 2025. If they decide to let him go before the Mar- March 17th uh, triggers, it would be an $85 million dead cap hit 2024. So they cannot do that. So the Broncos are just a complete freaking cluster. I mean, we talk about other teams like the Jets and like Washington and some other teams that are just kind of a joke, doing stupid crap, the Browns. This is such a disaster. I mean, they, they hired a head coach in Hackett because they thought it could get him Rodgers. It did not. Hackett was terrible. They fired him. This is after, or well, they, they fired him after they brought in Russell Wilson, which was their second option. Russell Wilson ended up being terrible. They gave him such a monstrously awful contract that, of course, he never lived up to because he just wasn't playing good football at all. Now you've got to let him go in which the next two years, this year and next year, are just a wash. You're just, you're just screwed. All the while, you've got these wide receivers that have just never materialized. We've been hearing about Jerry Judy for years. The guy's never been anything other than, like, decent. And every year we hear possible trades going on with Jerry Judy and everything else because it's just, I mean, what's, what, what do you even have? What is even going on over there? Like, can you just figure your crap out? Because you guys suck so much. Like, can you just get back to being like this mid-football team that has a decent defense and, and like not a great offense? Because right now you're just this complete joke. Like the, even the coach you've got, who is a respected coach, is now like the ringleader of this freaking circus. I know he's making a lot of money, but man, this is a awfully damaging to his reputation to come into this freaking clown show and try to navigate this mess. So anyways, Russell Wilson is very, very likely out the door. And the Broncos will have the highest cap hit ever for any player in history, active or inactive, in a season this year with $53 million in dead money. The only other option, again, very similar to, similarly to what we talked about with Rodgers is, is it possible that the Packers just say, no, you're playing, you're under contract, and then let him sit on the bench because he's going to refuse to play and demand a trade? Technically, they could do that, but odds are that's not going to happen. And as much as it's like, yeah, well, we went through it too, so how can you make fun of them? Bro, we paid a guy who won back-to-back MVPs. It's not exactly the same situation. Anyways, why don't we take our first break, come come back, and uh, take a look at some more fun and interesting topics. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. 
We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So this one's been sitting for a while. I almost thought that I talked about it already, but I didn't. And I have to bring it up because, you know, the whole situation with the Jets. And I've even referenced it a few times. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I didn't even talk about that yet. Um, This is from February 16th. Rumors. Jets GM Douglas is believed by some to be, quote, too nice for his own good, unquote, and doesn't exert his authority enough per Tony Pauline. He doesn't act as if he's the big dog and doesn't lay down the hammer when he needs to. That comes from an article written by Tony Pauline over at Sportskeeda um, called Insider Notes on State of the Jets. Confidence in Joe Douglas dips. Solemn methods questioned. Organization finds scapegoat for media leaks. We don't need to go through this whole thing, but can we just talk for a second about this situation where Brian Gutekunst was too mean and he was wrong for not just being nicer to players and not doing all these things. I just want you to fully understand that the Jets right now are the team that a good portion of Packer fans wanted the Packers to be. They wanted a freaking spineless, weak, no backbone-having GM who cowers and does everything that the quarterback says They wanted a coach to do whatever uh, the quarterback says, too, because obviously Rodgers is very smart and he knows all the things. And and so we we need everybody, everything to just revolve around Rodgers and everybody else needs to just be nice and polite and shut up and do whatever they want, including the owner, by the way, who apparently needs approval from Aaron Rodgers. So look at the Jets situation right now and tell me with a straight frickin' face that that's what you wanted the Packers to be. That absolute disgrace garbage organization that's still clinging to Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb and Billy Turner, which is the situation we'd be in right now if Rodgers was still here. Let me just tell you right now, it is time to let it go. It's time to let it go. You are wrong. It happens. I'm wrong about a lot of stuff. You are freaking wrong. Brian Gutekunst's failure was not in the situations in which he was quote-unquote too mean. It's when he was doing what Rodgers wanted. Those were his failures. Deciding that it was too important that Rodgers stay. So we give him a contract that we shouldn't give him. We cave on things like keeping Lazard. We cave on things like bringing in Randall Cobb. We do what Rodgers wants. Matt LaFleur's failures. We're for bending over backwards to Rodgers, allowing him to run whatever he wanted to run and do whatever he wanted to do. Because, you know, hey, Rodgers is a smart guy. He probably knows what to do. He's probably smarter than the coach. He's probably smarter than the GM. We built up this idea that that was true somehow, which is so stupid. 
He is not smarter and a better offensive mind than Matt LaFleur. He's not. And he's certainly not a better GM than our GM. Notice how everything, the offensive play calling got better, the GM got better, everything seemingly got better magically when Rodgers left. And look at the Jets, look at what's happening. The Jets are doing, they're following the Packer fan playbook of how you should treat players, and you should be a weak, spineless coward that doesn't man up, doesn't tell people the truth, is too scared to actually just do the right thing because it might hurt people's feelings. And within like 30 seconds of this happening, we're getting reports That, quote, he's too nice for his own good and that he's not acting like a big dog and doesn't lay down the hammer. Immediately, everybody's clamoring, please be a man. Just crazy to me. Like, (laughs) I don't understand. Just be happy that we have a GM that's a freaking man and has a backbone. Be happy about it, that he didn't just bend over backwards to a quarterback and, and abdicate all of his duties to some random freaking player who doesn't know what he's talking about because he's a spineless coward. Be happy that this isn't the Jets. Be happy that this is the Packers. Be happy that we don't have an owner, which for some reason a lot of Packer fans want, which is the dumbest thing on planet Earth. Be happy that we have a GM that's number one good at his job and number two understands that there are different duties for different people. The coach is the coach, the players are the player, the GM is the GM, the cap guy is the cap guy, the, the CEO is the CEO. Everybody has their job, and I don't overstep my bounds, and you freaking don't overstep your bounds either. Well, shouldn't you listen to what he has to say? Absolutely. And I've said that. Like you, There are times when you bring people in and you ask them questions, but you ask them the questions that you want to ask, and you take the answers that you want to take, anything that you find valuable. It's just like our defensive coordinator said. Sometimes you ask them and you're genuinely curious and you genuinely want to know. And sometimes you hear it and you're like, oh, it's a good idea. I'm going to listen to that. Other times you go, not nah, that stupid. We're not doing that. But you don't just go out and do something that you think is stupid because this guy wants it. You can listen. And if Roger says something like, I'd like Randall Cobb, you laugh to yourself and go, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. And then walk out and don't do it. But I'm just, I, I, I'm so over the moon right now because the Jets are a perfect case study for what so many Packer fans wanted the Packers to be. And now look at it. Look at what a disaster it is. Look at how terrible it is. You've got a coaching staff and players that are leaking everything to the media. You know why? Because you don't have an actual structure. There are no leaks in Green Bay. It doesn't happen. It's a sign of a strong organization. Salah commands no respect from his coaches. Joe Douglas commands no respect from any in the, uh, anybody in that building. The owner commands no respect from anybody. Everybody's leaking. Everybody's talking crap. Everybody's just doing whatever they want. Everybody walks all over everybody. You got an offensive coordinator who doesn't do jack squat. He puts his feet up on his desk, doesn't do a damn thing. And instead of getting fired, he, he has a, the, the defensive-minded head coach decide that he's going to now take over the offense. Because we can't just fire this guy for being useless because it's Roger's buddy, so he gets to stay. Let me ask, I mean, is this what you wanted? This is it. This is what we wanted. This is, this is the guy we needed to listen to. I'm sorry. He throws a football good. Congratulations. He throw ball good. Con- that's so great. And I'm so happy he throw ball good for a long time. He win lot games. He make big plays. Dude even help win Super Bowl. But he not GM. He not smartest man on planet Earth, despite the fact that he convinced some of you that he is. He's not a coach. He's not a scout. He's a football thrower. That's it. And the Jets have completely abdicated all their responsibilities to a quarterback, and it is just burning with fire. It sucks. 
It's a calamity, a catastrophe, a disaster. Anyways, um, one more commentary on a similar note, not specifically Jets-Packers related, but just on the issue of teams being stupid. So here, here's just a, a, a small example of some of a, a sort of a larger problem. This is an interview, Cam Newton with Jordan Love, talking about the situation where Jordan Love got to sit for a while and his thoughts on sitting as opposed to playing right away. Hold on, I gotta switch the stupid thing over. Pushing too many buttons at once. Here we go. As quarterbacks develop, would you want to take your route or instant playing time route? Oh, uh, man, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, I think for development, my route. Because I was able to sit there. I was able to learn the offense. I was able to learn my teammates, man. Not coming into a situation, you know, press to play and make plays. Yes, sir. Um, I was able to learn and see it, man. See, see a legend doing it. Yeah. And just see how he works, see how he operates every day, um, and, and just grow my game. So when I did get my opportunity, man, I, I took it around with it. But, man, coming in my rookie year, I'm not the same player I was. Absolutely. So there's been a ton of talk about this, especially since Jordan Love blew up. Like, why the heck aren't teams doing this more often, right? I mean, it's it's been a small topic of discussion for a little while, but for the most part, it's been kind of pushed to the back burner. But it clearly seems to be a benefit, so why is nobody doing it? Jordan Love just saying he would not have been the same guy if he'd have played right away. Here is, and I may have played this before, but I, I just I, we'll, we'll do it again if I did. Um, Thomas Dimitrioff, or Dimitrov, who was the, I believe, GM for the Falcons for kind of a long time, he gets asked this question, like, why? It, so it clearly, clearly seems to be working. Why does nobody do it? But like, I just think it's, it's, it's lack of patience that then ends up hurting the quarterback in the long run. Why don't more teams do it the Green Bay way? That's a great point because, uh, you know, I think there's that, again, not for long element. When you're a head coach and a general manager and you're kicking off your time or you've, you're a little bit hot, right, or a lot hot, all you're thinking about is I need to get to the survival state here. I need to win games. And I need to be on the other side of 500, right? right. Which is which gets me, keeps me in the discussion. I mean, would Arthur Smith have survived this year if, well, a if he would have picked a different quarterback? But even that, even some of those losses, they could have been on the other side of 500. I think he would have st- still been in Atlanta. Wow. No, that's a great point. It's like the just getting to nine wins now saves your job. So if if it's if there's a high variance thing where it's like, we might win 12, but yeah. we could win three, yeah. coaches are going to take the nine. They're going to take the nine. They're going to say, this gives me another opportunity for an owner to go, okay. And I've been there, <laughs> believe me. I mean, Arthur Blank is one of the most competitive owners out there. And he is a two-year, three-year guy. I mean, yeah. he, gave, he gives us all yeah. two years. And then in that third year, if you're, if you're flailing, we got fired, you know, myself and Dan Quinn early in that 20-year yeah, yeah. was the first quarter. Arthur, you know, Smith lasted, you know, entire time, and that was probably because they were giving him an opportunity to grow, right? Because they were calling it cap hell. T- blaming it on TD, which there's a lot of layers to that. I won't even, maybe we're I'll not. bring that out in my book when you and I do a book one day. Okay. But. <laughs> um, I, I have to ask, and this is not about the Falcons, but when you see a team that's clearly going for the nine wins, because I always joke, and yeah. somebody told me this early in, the, in, in my career covering the NFL, that it's a bunch of teams that aren't trying to win the Super Bowl. A lot. Right. Is there, when you're just... First of all, so we're, we're, we're going to keep this going because it's all one common thread that ties back into what we were just talking about. This is part of it as far as not playing quarterbacks right away and why, why you don't stash quarterbacks and all that stuff. You throw them out there because, you know, I need to get my nine wins. Um, but notice how he, he just said as a statement, a lot of teams are not trying to win a Super Bowl. And the response was, right. 
just so we're clear on that. Sitting at ESPN, you see a couple moves going, you know, watching, watching the transactions ticker, and you say, this team is just trying to get to nine wins. What's an example of those moves to get to mediocrity? To get to mediocrity? To, to, to get, if someone's just trying to save their job, how does that team operate in the offseason? You know, do they sign more mid-tier veterans, just kind of you know, throwing, throwing stuff against the wall? How, how, what's an example of a team, uh, just g- generically, of a team trying to get to nine wins? Yeah, Michael. Hey, Michael. It, it's, to me, it's, it's, it has to do with making sure that you have some of the, you know, it's the veteran. It's the veteran yeah. thing for me. It's, it's making that coach feel comfortable that he doesn't have to develop players necessarily and that we can get to this spot. We'll, we'll pay a little bit of money for it, and we'll get to that, that area, and then we'll continue to think about how we're going to develop. Look, to me, there are lazy coaches out there that just don't have it in them to develop the young players, and they're worried about the time frame. So that's what I would think more than anything. It is about making sure that they're sprinkling in the right veteran talent that they think can take, take them to the, to the Super Bowl, right, or whatever. So that whole thing was, was phenomenal because – for, for a couple reasons. Number one, we need to make very clear that there are teams that are poorly run and to a degree on purpose. Everything is about incentives. And how you set up your incentives determine how your team is going to turn out. You, we, we always think about what is a GM's job? A GM's job is to win the Super Bowl. Well, not necessarily. A GM's job, especially in this competitive environment in which he's not guaranteed even one more year, is to find a way to keep his job. And a lot of teams have incentivized, like you said, about nine wins. If you get to nine wins, then, you know, at least gives me hope that maybe we can kind of push forward. But maybe there isn't an incentive to push forward. Because there are certain moves that you can make that could potentially help you throughout the future, right? This is the whole thing about future versus present. And the the, the big reason I'm bringing this up is because we still have a lot of Packer fans that are very focused on the present and not so much about the future. We want the free agents. We want this. Push out the money. All in. Blah, 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 blah. This is what teams do who have GMs that are not concerned about winning Super Bowls, but instead are concerned about getting my 9-10 wins, possibly slipping into the playoffs. Don't really give a crap. I just need to protect my job. And so, you know, fans always point to these teams like, everybody else is making moves. Everybody else is doing... No, it's not everybody else. Listen, that what he just pointed out is that if you want to actually be a successful team, it comes down to what? What word did he use? Development. Draft and develop. That is what championship caliber teams do. That doesn't mean you don't touch free agency. But if you use free agency as a crutch, if you use free agency as a way of saying, here's a hole, let's just plug it up. Let's not worry about getting young guys and developing them over time. Go get the 31-year-old wide receiver and plug him in that spot. Go get the the, you know, 35-year-old offensive tackle and give him a one-year contract or a two-year contract and give him all the money we're going to overpay because that's what you do in free agency, you overpay as opposed to the draft, which is where you underpay. And we'll just patch these holes because we don't actually trust our guys to develop. We might not even have a good enough GM to draft. And so we're just going to get what we get. We got what we got, and we're going to plug all these holes because we just need to make sure we get to nine wins. What about next year? Isn't that going to cause problems next year? Yeah, but we'll do the same thing next year. Next year, we're going to get rid of all these one-year contracts that we have. We're going to be back to a team that's not good enough to win. We're going to draft what we draft. We'll get what we get with very little expectation of development. And hopefully last year, you know, one or two of those guys ends up being actually good. So that'll fill a couple of those spots, and then we'll go back and we'll fill holes. 
and we'll spend a bunch of money filling holes. And so it becomes this repetitive cycle. It's why in a, in a league that is built for parity, some teams stay at the bottom. So the first thing that I would, I would say to a lot of people is, first of all, don't come to me talking about how some teams, look at how some teams sign all these players. Show me the history of these teams. The fact that so many teams pointed to the Jets as like this, this team that's going to prove the Packers wrong. You freaking kidding me? This is one of the worst-run organizations in history, and you, you expect them to prove that, that they're going to show us how to run an organization. Are you out of your freaking mind? Second of all, when you come to me talking about all these free agent signings, who are the teams that, that spend all the money? It's the teams that have all the money. The teams that have all the money are the teams that are not very good, and they haven't signed anybody because they don't draft and develop, so there's nobody to sign. We don't have this, this class of guy. We don't have this Rashawn Gary coming up for a contract or Jair coming up for a contract, so nobody gets any money. And so we have a bunch of extra money, so we buy everybody else's old scraps. Oh, they're going out and buy. They're spending all this money. We never do anything. Right, because we pay our own guys. We, we do a good job drafting and developing, and we have to pay those guys, and then we're short on cash. And we don't want to be short on cash. And, you know, we'll do a little bit here, a little bit there if we think it'll help us. But the goal is Super Bowls. The goal is continued success, not short-term success, not how can I just keep my job. So understand, for those of you that are like in the just push the money out, just the cap is fake, just find ways to twist things around, just pay all the people, keep everybody and get all the free agents. You're playing into a strategy that GMs use when they don't give a crap about winning anything and just want to keep their jobs. Those are the people you're mimicking. I, I guess what I'm saying is just take solace in the fact that you're a fan of a team that's doing it right. And maybe you don't understand it. And maybe you wish that it would be a little bit more exciting, as I do too. I mean, they're, they're you know, free agency. Everybody's having fun. And we just got to sit here. Even the draft. I mean, the draft, you got all these, t- everybody's talking about the the. The number one, everybody's talking about the Bears because they get the number one pick. Nobody talks about the Packers in the draft. Nobody cares. Once you get outside the top 10, nobody talks about you. The mock drafts, you know, once they get past 10, they don't care. They just kind of plug in whatever. Nobody cares. And that's sad. Oh, man, we don't get to have fun. We don't get the top 10 picks. That's fine, though, because it means you're a good team. So just take solace in the fact that although you don't get to do all the fun, exciting stuff like all the bad teams get, you are a fan of a team that's run really well. They do things the right way. They draft and develop. They don't spend all the money. They're generally just a very boring, responsible team that, you know, pays their taxes on time. And, you know, they, they uh, have very small credit card liabilities and they pay them off at the end of every month. You know, they, they snow blow their neighbor's driveway who's like a 90-year-old lady. You know, they're, they're just, it's just nothing super interesting. They, they, they work a nine to five. They eat a ham and cheese sandwich at lunch every day, you know. With a, with a little thing of milk, but they earn a good living, and you live in a good house, and you got a, a, a family that's, that's a nice family, and you know, you're not suffering, you're not starving. Just it, Packer fans are like these ungrateful teenagers who live great lives, but just find reasons to complain and be miserable about how horrible their life is. Bro, shut up. Be happy. Be freaking grateful. Stop being an ungrateful freaking brat. Packers are a great organization and have been for a long time, and it's why you get to watch a team that wins pretty much all the time. They always win. They always go to the playoffs. They always have an opportunity to win a Super Bowl, which is all anybody gets is an opportunity to win the Super Bowl. Nobody gets guaranteed, and that's a good thing. That's an exciting thing. Be grateful. They don't run it this way. They're not like Dimitrov and some of these other guys. Dimitrov, by the way, was was famous for saying that he does draft for need, which is the wrong way to do it. He just openly said he did it. 
Why would you draft for need? Because you're you're drafting for now. Synonymous, right? It's the same thing. Drafting for need means drafting for now. Why would you draft for now and not for the future? If you're drafting for the long term, you draft the best possible players, the ones that have the best chance of being really good football players. Because the needs that you're going to have over the next five, six, seven years, you don't know what they are. And there's almost no position that isn't going to be a need over that time. Maybe not quarterback. Maybe not kicker if you got a really good 26-year-old or something. I don't know. But everything else, you're going to have needs at some point. So why would you draft for now? Because you're drafting to keep your job. That's why. And again, the, the final thing that I would say, if you still are not sold, you still don't like it, you still think it's wrong, find a team that does things the way that you want them to do it. And I'm not saying you have to leave the pack. I'm just saying, just watch them. Just watch what they're doing. Actually put yourself in their shoes, right? Oh, I think the Chiefs are super aggressive. And Okay, fine. Let's see. Let's see what the Chiefs do this year. The Chiefs, who, by the way, let Tyreek Hill walk out the door, have no wide receivers, have a 600-year-old tight end that apparently is sticking around, but he's freaking old. They let their offensive line crumble. They don't draft very well. They don't do anything in free agency except overpay guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantling. But sure, yeah, go ahead and follow them. I'm sure they're going to be great. They're going to spend so much money on elite wide receivers and everything else that's really exciting. They're going to be great. Or they're going to be really boring and worse at their jobs than the Packers, except for the fact that they just have Pat Mahomes and they're just never going to lose as a result. As long as Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes are there and probably Travis Kelsey, they're going to be fine. And, and a defense that's playing out of its mind because their defensive coordinator is phenomenal. But just, just watch him. And pick a team. Pick a team that you think is doing things right. And by the way, if, if you end up picking a team like the Bears or the Jets or whatever, just, just stop immediately and think about where you're at. And then just come on back, okay? But I'd be curious. Reach out. Call in. 608-501-0718. What team does things what, that you would say is the right way? And I'm not saying the Packers are perfect, so there might be a team that you like a little bit better, and that's fine. But I'm talking about, like, wildly different. Much more aggressive. All in. Spread out the money. Do all the stuff. Who are those teams that you really respect? The Saints are doing it. The Saints have been doing it for years. They just keep pushing the money out. Is that what you want? They just did it again. They just keep pushing money out into the future. You want to be the Saints? Is that, is that kind of more your style? Be grateful. Let's take our final break, and uh, we'll be right back. All right, last couple little things here. Um, first of all, I want to look at this uh, whole article being put out by Kevin Cole. I've referenced him a few times. He's a big stats guy. Um, and part of the reason why I identify more with the stats people is, um, I mean, partially it's just because of how I'm wired. But uh, also, just temperamentally, I uh, appreciate stats people. (laughs) They're very robotic and emotionless, and they speak their minds and don't give a crap about your feelings, and I appreciate the living crap out of that. So his uh, sub-stack, he's got weekly commentary and review number 14. First, he talks about, I'm not going to get into it a ton, but the first part is about Um, looking at the exponential returns of analytics. In other words, the more teams invest in analytics, you start to see returns. Several years down the line, you start to notice the exponential growth. So for example, the Ravens have a very large uh, analytics staff. And I don't know, again, didn't care enough to really dig into that to see. But the general idea is, you know, maybe at first the analytics teams are a little bit lesser, but over several years, it's, you start to see them surpass exponentially the more linear growth teams that are not doing that. But then it gets into a couple things that I find um, funny. 
First, it says Fields versus Williams debate is pointless. I just want to read through this, and I, I find this to be exactly correct. I, again, it's like this, this whole idea that they're going to keep Fields is so stupid. Just draft Caleb and be done with it. Here's how it starts off. It says, I was one of the few voices last offseason, me being another one, saying the Bears needed to consider drafting a quarterback instead of trading back, even though I knew it was unlikely. I was in the exact same boat. Fields is not it. Fields is bad at being a quarterback. It's not going to work. No, all this talk about him getting better and all that is not going to change anything. No, changing the offensive staff and everything else is not going to change anything. No, drafting DJ Moore and loading up on weapons is not going to fix anything. Anyways, goes on to say, sure, they could have ended up with Bryce Young and at best an uncertain future, but they're just as easily could have taken CJ Stroud, who is easily a top 10 asset in the NFL when considering age and contract. I honestly didn't think that retaining Justin Fields and passing on the latest generational talent Caleb Williams would even be a thing this offseason, as Fields' overall efficiency regressed with his prior efficiency in 2022 based primarily on unsustainable rushing efficiency. I knew the media would try to push Fields versus Williams on us, yet I assumed everyone, even slightly rational, would see that keeping Fields and trading back wasn't a choice the Bears could entertain. So in other words... Of course, the media is going to try to push this because it's boring to just say, I don't know, they're drafting Caleb. But what I didn't expect is for rational thinking human beings to actually buy into the bullcrap. Once again, I was wrong in overestimating the public's, mostly Bears fans, which is true, the public's ability to weigh the evidence and make an easy decision. To be fair, the Bears' defense turning into the 1985 version, at least statistically, down the stretch did provide the QB wins good vibes down the stretch to complicate feelings on the matter. Even so, Fields going into his fourth year having shown so little passing, needing to pick up a fifth-year option and only having one more year before opening up the pocketbook to the extreme should have muted any stirring feelings. He's bad, and he's going to cost a lot of money. What are we doing? ESPN is still pushing the, quote, what if the Bears trade back on us this last week in form of theoretical trade packages they could uh, be offered. To be fair, some of these packages still gave the Bears a chance to take a top quarterback prospect, the most hilarious of those, moving a single spot down and reaping an insane bounty in the process. So this was from ESPN's article. They traded with the Washington Commanders. This is Field Yates' trade package. Number two pick. So this is what the Bears get. They get the number two pick, 2024 second round pick, number 40, 2025 first round pick. It says, remember, in a similar move, how the Bears traded up a single spot in number two, uh, two number two to draft Mitch Trubisky and uh, gave up a third, fourth, and future third in the process. That deal was largely derided, yet this one would have the commanders more than doubling the price to choose their preferred quarterback. So in other words, we're just in, in fantasy land right now. The idea that there's going to be this massive haul that is twice as good as what the Bears did when they traded up one spot from two to one, and they're still going to get this amazing quarterback. I mean, everybody wants this to be true. Either we're keeping fields or there's going to be this amazing elite trade back and we're going to get such a big haul. It's like, bro, just pick the freaking quarterback. A little bit further, it says simple game theory will tell you that if a team is willing to trade away the number one pick for the number two pick, they must be confident the team they trade to prefers a different quarterback than they do and will still get the preferred option plus the trade value. If that's the case, why would the team sitting at number two ever trade up? I guess there's a possible universe where the Bears have equal valuations of the top two quarterbacks and are truly indifferent to whom they draft, but I, can, uh, but I can't see that universe materializing in reality after months of work. So th- this paragraph is exactly correct. Two different things here. Number one, th- there is one 
situation where the Bears have two quarterbacks perfectly even and they they just can't differentiate them. First of all, if that's your case, you suck at your job. Find the right quarterback and draft them. The other one is, well, we know they want somebody else. Let's say that they want, let's say they want Caleb. And they know for a fact Washington is all in on Drake May, which they wouldn't know that for a fact. Uh, it's possible they're being lied to, and all this is a lie so that, they, so that Washington could move up. But let's just pretend that they know 100%. They've got uh, mental telepathy on their side. If they're willing to trade with Washington because they're taking a different quarterback, then why would Washington pay for that? Because they know the Bears are going to take Caleb. So why would you pay when you could just wait at two and get the quarterback you want anyways? The bottom line is the Bears are never going to let you take their spot so that you can take their player. So then it even goes on to get even crazier. The, the only way that you can actually game the system here is if you actually like three guys and then you can pit the number three team against the number two team and have them jump number one. In other words, um, you want Caleb and the next two teams want, you know, somebody else. So the number three team wants what the number two team wants, but not what you want. Or you have three quarterbacks that are perfectly even. Like The whole thing is stupid. You need to just man up and draft the right quarterback. It says, Brad Biggs at the Chicago Tribune ha- uh, has more level-headed and downer reporting for those wanting to fan the non-existent fields over Williams' flames. For what it's worth, Biggs has been one of the more connected beat reporters in the past, and he isn't buying the idea that the Bears trade back and stick with fields. It says, from my perspective, there is no internal debate in which the Bears are kicking around the idea of keeping Justin Fields versus drafting a quarterback. I believe the work is being done to determine which quarterback they should select, so the whole Justin Fields versus Caleb Williams debate is a pointless exercise. And look, they might come to the determination that they like a quarterback better than Caleb. I doubt it, but they might. But the bottom line is, whatever your decision, you sit at one, you take a quarterback, period. Any other decision, you're an idiot. Any other decision, you're stupid, period. And I'm going to stand on that. And then it comes down to the quarterback that you picked better be good, because if he's not, you're really going to suck, because I guarantee you one of these quarterbacks is going to be real good. So you better get it right. But no, you're not getting a haul, and you're not keeping fields, and you're not doing any of that. You're going to sit in that that spot, and you're going to pick one of the quarterbacks, and we're going to see if it works out, and that's it. Then there's a third portion of this, and I, I, uh, even as a, uh, somebody who, you know, is fine with just saying what it is. He um, he goes in pretty hard on a guy, and I'll be honest, it influenced me a little bit because I actually paid a little bit, <laughs> paid a couple bucks for this guy's Substack just because I want as much draft content as I can get. I'm I'm contemplating not doing it anymore, but for whatever reason, he goes in on how stupid draft season is, and then hones in on one guy that's been in this thing for a long time. Now, granted, he was sort of a guy that just kind of put himself in that slot as a self-proclaimed expert and then was promoted as an expert, and now is kind of just seen as an expert. He's kind of off in his own little corner as as a resident personal expert. And that guy is Matt Miller. I don't know if you know who he is. I don't know if you subscribe to his stuff, but it's worth pointing these things out because what matters is reality. And it's good to know who's good at their job and who's not. So we'll take what he has to say and with and we'll we'll uh, digest it and make our own decisions. I haven't decided whether or not I'm going to unsubscribe because honestly, he just did a mock draft and some of the stuff he said was actually somewhat insightful. Maybe it's just because he liked the guy that I liked, but he uh, he drafted Rakestraw to the Packers and then talked about how the scheme fit was actually really solid with what Halfley's going to be doing. And I was like, all right, that's that's more homework than most people are doing. But anyways, it starts off and says, the NFL draft is the most important 
uh, means of teams acquiring talent and eventually winning in the NFL. The lead up to every draft should be full of ideas on how teams can maximize their capital. Instead, 99.9% of draft coverage is focused on an area in which teams have no prove uh, have, teams have proven to have no relative advantage, and that is prospect evaluation. It's not that teams are bad at evaluation, it's that evaluation is really, really difficult and teams are all really good at it. Variance, or luck, becomes a bigger factor when everyone is equally good at something or equally bad. Which is a fair point. We all focus on evaluation, and that's the one area in which most teams are relatively similar. And most of the time, when people have really good drafts, it comes down to luck. Now, there is process, and there are there are ways that you can position yourself to be more successful. There are things you can do and, and processes by which you do them that can make you more successful, looking at certain traits and certain characteristics. Another big one is making sure you have lots of picks, because more swings at the bat naturally increases your luck. But the variance between the worst drafting team and the best drafting team is not necessarily massive especially now that everybody has the same information. You know, back in the 50s, it was really hard to gather information. Now everybody has the same information. Maybe somebody's got like an inside tip on a player or something. But it goes on to say, I hesitate to focus too much on a particular analyst making what I consider mistakes or misrepresentations to the public, but ESPN's Matt Miller deserves the bad kind of name dropping. Almost everything I've read from him falls victim to overconfidence leaning into engagement baiting, and after the fact, a massive dose of historical revisionism and hindsight bias. He is one of the worst in a mostly bad field. So, so there's a dose of, uh, you know, not mincing words. Miller's most recent work for the Worldwide Leader caught my attention for its combination of awfulness. Miller's list of his true first-round prospects with the methodology described here. How many first-round prospects are there in the 20... It's about, whatever. It goes on and on talking about that, and he talks about how irrelevant the talk is about, quote-unquote, true first-round prospects. goes on to say, my question is, who gives a you-know-what that teams list 15 to 20 players as first-rounders? I can guarantee for you that there will be 32 first-round picks in the 2024 NFL Draft, no matter what teams have on their internal big boards. You should consider trading up and down in the first round based on the projected player value and opportunity costs for the picks at hand, not some arbitrary first-round designation. He says it's a way for teams to pat themselves on the back, thinking they're getting a more select group of players. We got one of our exclusive for 15 first-rounders than anything else. Every year we go through the first round, and all 32 selections were listed by the teams that took them as being in the top 15 or 20 players. If every team got a deal, then no team got a deal. There can't be 32 teams winning in the first round every season, Yet you'd think that sitting inside war rooms inside the NFL. Then he goes on to talk about, um, you know, comps, right? So for these top 16 first-round prospects, what comps do you have? And he he talks about, first of all, how stupid it is because the comps, first of all, are all successful. They're all 100% successful in the NFL. Second of all, most of them were not drafted in the top 15, therefore didn't actually have first-round designation to begin with. So you're comping these guys who are legit first-rounders to guys that are 100% successful already and weren't <laughs> first-round prospects. Tredavious White, who went 27th. Lamar Jackson went 32nd. T. Higgins, who was a second-rounder. Third-rounders, Teron Armstead, Tarek, uh, Trey Hendrickson, and Justin Matabuike. And two fifth-rounders, Stephon Diggs and George Kittle. Those are the prospects that he's saying are like the comps for the true first-rounders. All non-true first-rounders. 
And then he says, well, maybe I'm being unfair. So he goes back and looks at where he ranked these guys. Stephon Diggs didn't make Matt Miller's top 100 list in 2015 and was wide receiver 36. George Kittle wasn't in his top 100 and was tight end 8. Trey Hendrickson wasn't in his top 100 in 2017 and was edge 16. Justin Matabuike was not in his top 100 in 2020, was DT8. And Teron Armstead was outside of his top 60 prospects in 2013 and labeled the biggest bust of the offensive tackle class by Matt Miller. So this, this is sort of the revisionism. He was wrong about every single one of these guys, and now he's using their success as comps to these guys that he's calling lock first round picks. Now, look, I like this stuff. I like the draft. I know it's silly. I know it's nonsense. I know it's full of revisionism. I get that. I like it. But it is completely fair. Everything he's saying is completely fair. And the one thing that I don't like is that there, there is a lot of revision. I, at least I, first of all, say I don't know. These guys are not really saying that. They are resident experts in their field, and they're paid to be such. Number two, I put caveats on just about everything. When, when I talk about comps, first of all, I don't use nonsensical comps. I, I Very rarely, and if I do, I, I put either an asterisk on it, or I just tell you, like, yeah, that's legitimately how I feel about the way that they're playing. They remind me of this guy. But I'm also just honest about stuff that I don't know because I don't give a crap. Like, I, I really like that guy, and he sucked. Like, who, who cares? The, the, here, here's, I think, my perspective on this. I love this season, even in all of its nonsense, but a lot of it is silly. And a lot of people will message me like, oh, you're stupid for doing this. Like, no, I'm not stupid for doing this because I don't care. It's just for fun. All of this is fun. By the way, this entire podcast is stupid. Even during the season, on the Saturday before the Sunday game, everything that I tell you about what I think is going to happen and who I think is going to do this, it's all stupid. We don't actually know You could say the same thing about that. Like, you're such an idiot. Why don't you just watch and see what happens? It's the same thing. Why are we talking about the 2024 season? Why are we talking about Jordan Love's future when he's only played one year? Why are we doing anything ever? Why do any podcasts exist? Why don't we just never think about the Packers, never think about the draft, never think about free agency, and just wait for things to happen? Don't even contemplate the football game until it starts, then turn it on, sit down, quietly watch it, then turn it off and forget the Packers exist. Why don't we just do that? Because we like it, because it's fun. But what I've always said about the offseason is we got to understand that it's fake. And come draft day, this is one of the biggest things that I've been harping on the last couple of years. We have to detach because everything we've been doing in the past is kind of fake, right? There, there's, there's shreds of truth throughout, but we get so angry at the GM because he did things wrong because we forget that we're, we're pretending, We're pretending to be really good GMs. We're pretending to be really good evaluators. We're pretending to do all this stuff. So I don't hate this article because I think there's some truth to it because there are people who are pretending that they're not pretending when they are pretending. They don't know. They have no idea. And that's when it becomes annoying. At least acknowledge that this is fake and that you're pretending. And if you're not going to do that, then I don't have a problem with people pulling receipts and just showing how much you actually don't know what you're doing and that you are pretending. Dude, you, you, Stefan Diggs is one of the best wide receivers in football. You had him as the 36th best wide receiver in 2015. Bro, are there even 36 receivers that get drafted? I don't think so. So you basically had him as an undrafted free agent. You're an idiot. I mean, if you want to play that game where you legitimately know all that, like you can just study the tape and you know, well, then I, I, I guess I get to hold you to that standard, don't I? Isn't that fair? I'm, I'm going to watch all these guys and I'm going to draw conclusions and I'm going to like and dislike and all that stuff and I'm going to hold to my opinions, but I have very little expectation that I'm going to be right because even if I was good at this, 
This is this is like a, you know I heard a while back. I don't know how true the story is or whatever, but they had like monkeys selecting stocks, and it did just as well as actual stockbrokers. With the idea being that there is actually no way to like sit there and like manipulate the market and, and be more successful than just if you were to just let the money ride on something. You know, it's just it's not it's not a game you can actually win. That's very much like the NFL draft. You can give yourself a slight, slight, slight advantage, but this is mostly luck. And I know there's a lot of people that don't want to acknowledge that, especially people that make their living on the draft and they, they spend all their time doing this. I'm sorry. You're going to miss a lot. And so are NFL GMs. You're going to miss all the time. It's why there, I guarantee you there's going to be undrafted free agents that are better than first-round picks this year, just like there are every year. I know for a fact that's going to happen. How is that possible? That 32 teams filled with GMs and, and, and droves and droves of scouts and coaches watching tape over and over and over again will allow somebody more talented than, than first-round picks to slide out of the draft because it's not a science. It's not a perfect science. It's not even close to a perfect science. So, look, is it stupid? Absolutely. And, and all of this is stupid. Everything's, it's, it's a game. Everything's a game. Everything's fake. Everything's for pretend. But I like it. I like pretend. And I encourage everyone to come play pretend. I got a whole NFL mock draft Facebook group with 18,000 people in it. And we just pretend all day. Now, most of the people in there take it too seriously. And they, they, you know, offer up death threats to people who draft somebody that's wrong because they don't, they, they forget to detach, you know, the whole pretendy thing. But it's what we're doing. We're pretending. We're in pretendy land and we're just having fun. So I, I, I guess I'm kind of in the middle on this. On one hand, yes, if you're going to pretend that you are some resident expert and you know everything, then you deserve the criticism. On the other hand, as far as Kevin Cole is concerned, let people be stupid. You know what I mean? Let's just let, let's not tear it down too much. Let's just have fun. I have no problem with just highlighting the fact that just remember they don't actually know what the heck they're talking about and they're going to be wrong. But I get it. I know that. I don't care. I'm gonna and I might just keep throwing him a couple bucks because it looks like he does his homework. So let him make his proclamations and. Uh, We'll just have fun with it. Who cares? Anyways, I'm going to get out of here. I'm ready to just pretend and have fun and do stupid stuff. Do mock drafts and just talk to draft people about being stupid and doing stupid stuff. And uh, you're going to get hit from both sides. People that take it way too seriously are going to be destroying you for doing it wrong. And then people that are too smart to bother to even participate because they know it's stupid and uh, just it won't allow them to participate, are going to hit you from the other side, telling you how stupid you are for participating. It's, it's, bro, can I just sit here and just pretend? It would be like playing a video game, and I'm sitting here and I'm like playing Warhammer, and I'm just playing, and I got one person on the right of me talking about, bro, that's not even real. You know you're not controlling a real army, right, you idiot? Like, are you that stupid? And then the guy on the left of me is like, why did you do that? Why did you upgrade that? You should have upgraded this. You know you got to get growth first. You're so focused on money. You're an idiot. If you grow, then you get more money. <laughs> it's like, can you both shut up? Do me a favor and just shut up. Let me play how I want to play. And yes, I'm fully aware this is a game and I'm having fun. Neither of you are enriching my life in any way. Neither of you are impressing me with your immense knowledge. Get the heck away from me. <laughs> You're both stupid and annoying and obnoxious. Just let me play my game. Let me do my mock drafts. Let me, quote-unquote, scout players, as stupid children say today. Just let me live. Can I just live? Can, can mock draft people just live, please? Because you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it prior to the combine. I'm going to do it during the combine. I'm going to do it after the combine. 
I'm going to do it after the draft. I'm going to start focusing on next year. Oh, that's too early. I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. So leave me alone. You guys have a good day. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.